Well, I'll tell you, I am filled already with the wonderful music and everything that's taken place. You just sang, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. That's what this whole thing is about. Actually, it's almost 40 years that I've been in prison. It's, it's a joy to get out, but it's... <laughs> Can God really change a man? You know, society says, basically, no. You know, when we look at the 6 o'clock news and the national news and see terrible things like mass shootings in and, and grocery stores and businesses, and schools, even churches, we're grieved. I'm grieved. I, I have people ask me, Dan, why in the world do you waste your time dealing with those people? It grieves me when I hear that. But the question remains, can God really change a man? I want us to go back in time to New Testament times to meet a dangerous Menace to society. His name? Saul of Tarsus. The man. I call him unprofitable. Look at Acts 9. Before we do, let, let, me, let me say this. We, we mention the fact that Saul persecuted the church, but rarely... Do we ever really look at what he was like? He, Saul was hazardous to your health if you were a Christian back in those days. I mean, he truly was. I want to do what, what law enforcement does. Let's, let's run him through the computer, do a background check. And I think what we'll see is that Saul of Tarsus was not exactly a man that you would profile as someone for ministry, someone God would use in, in in ministry. Look at this. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters of him to the synagogues of Damascus that if he found any who were of the way, that's what they called Christians back then, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. You see, what I have underlined there, still breathing threats and murder against what God calls holy, the church. And now he's looking at breaking and entering and kidnapping, very serious charges. They were back then, they are today. This, we, we would call this inexcusable behavior. And then we see in Acts chapter 8, then Saul made havoc of the church, entering into every house. That's breaking and entering. Dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. We would, we, we would call that inexcusable behavior. And then by his own testimony, you can see it in Acts 22. I persecuted this way to the death. Still breathing threats and murder. You see, 
I take from this that that was not exactly what you call an isolated event. That was his lifestyle. That's who Saul of Tarsus actually was. So many inmates that I see, that I come in contact with on a daily basis in prison, are like him. They have their plans. They have their ways. They're right. Everyone else is wrong. And unless something happens in their life, they'll continue on that way. They, they, they never stop to, to take a look at where their life is actually heading. So the man, unprofitable. Let's look at the plan. Unexplainable. Now as he went his way, this is Saul, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, who you're persecuting. He asked, who are you, Lord? He hadn't asked that question before. He was absolutely right. He was sure. Everyone else was wrong. Many times, it takes a heavy, traumatic situation to stop a person in their tracks. And I assure you that prison is one of those places. I work in a very high security prison, a very dangerous place. Some of the most dangerous people in Colorado are in my prison. Can God really change a man? Can he? But arise and enter the city, it was told Saul. You will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul arose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And for three days he was there without sight, and neither did he eat or drink. You see, we have our plans. God has his. It seems unexplainable. So we ask, why? Why do we waste time with people like this? God has a plan. I assure you he does. And for almost 40 years... I've watched God take men and just literally change their lives from the inside out. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He never asked that question before. He was right. Everyone else was wrong. The Lord said, arise, go into the city, and it will be told you what you must do. Again, I see this all the time. I had a guy just recently who came to faith in Jesus Christ, was converted gloriously. You know what he said to me? He kind of looked around to make sure no one else was looking. He said, prison was the best thing that's ever happened to me. He said, I'm, I'm in here for murdering a man. And I got life, eternal life. Praise God. 
You know, I see some very terrible, awful things, and I hear some terrible, awful things on a daily basis from men who are starting to ask questions for the first time. They've been stopped in their tracks, and they're going, Lord, what do you want me to do? But then there's this, the purpose, unimaginable. Now, there was a certain, this is where it really gets good. There was, a, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. You know what Ananias' name means? It means God is gracious. How cool is that? And that's who God uses. He said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. Behold, he's praying. Rise and go to this unlovely, dangerous man who is absolutely against everything that you stand for. Go to him. <laughs> for he's praying. As a chaplain, I never get tired of seeing this very thing when God grabs a person. And it's got to be the Holy Spirit. Amen? It is. And deals with him from the inside out. I, as I stand here speaking to you, I can see men sitting across the desk from me or, or in the cell house where I, I roam, building relationships with men so I can share the gospel with them. And I can see the pain in their hearts, in their, in their eyes. I can see who they are, but I can also see the spirit of the living God working in them. I want to tell you that no amount of jail time or prison time is going to have that effect. Jesus said that himself. Look at this. He said, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts and adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness. Look at all that. An evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a man. We can put a person in prison for life, most likely, nothing's going to happen until the gospel. That is what changes men. That's what changes women. That's what changes young people. And I am so thrilled that I get to see that on a daily basis. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming to put his hand on him so they might receive his sight. You know, I love the honesty of Ananias. Ananias answers, I guess I would say, uh, Lord, can we talk? <laughs> Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how, he has, how much harm he has done to your saints who are in Jerusalem. I don't blame him for asking that, do you? And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on your name. He was nervous. I don't blame him. He was afraid. Saul of Tarsus wasn't there to have a party. He was there to drag people off to prison. But God had a purpose 
and it's unexplainable. But the Lord said to him, go. For he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I'll show him the things he has to suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went his way. And church, because Ananias went, he ministered to one of the greatest men who has ever lived, the Apostle Paul. And because of his obedience, we have the greater part of the New Testament written by this man. Does God have a plan? Oh, yes, he does. Yes, he does. Society says, put him away, lock him up, throw away the key. I say, there's some men in prison who are some of the most godly, now, loyal, trustworthy men I have ever had the pleasure of dealing with. There's a man that surely knows him very well. Uh, his name is Arnie. When he was eight years old, he saw his mother murder his little brother right in front of him. I know we don't talk about those things in church, but that's exactly what happened. It ruined his life. He became a drug addict, a mess. He, he murdered a person. He came to prison. And three years ago, he's been in prison 25 years. Three years ago, we ordained him. He's a pastor now. He's still in prison, but he's a pastor. A man of God who I trust with my life and my wife. Immediately, there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he received his sight at once. And he rose and was baptized. And when he had received food, he was strengthened. And Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. I've, everything I've said so far comes down to this next verse. Look at it. Immediately, <laughs> he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he's the son of God. Church, can God change a man? That picture is the highest security prison in the United States. It's called the ADX in Florence, Colorado. Besides the prison I'm in, I taught in that prison up until the time COVID came. That is the place, well, El Chapo is there. That's where some of the most dangerous men in the world are in that prison. I want to show you a picture. Take a look at that man. His name is Tracy. He was one of the heads of the Aryan Brotherhood, probably one of the most dangerous prison gangs that you could ever imagine. They had him there because he was so dangerous they didn't know what to do with him. I had the pleasure of leading him to Christ. He's out now. Look at this picture. There he is. That's the real deal. That's what happens when the spirit of the living God comes to live inside a person. I baptized him in the baptistry at our church in Colorado Springs. The other man 
that's there. His name is Howie. He spent 20 years in my prison. And now he's a pastor at our church. Can God change a man? Look at this. That's Jeremy. He's a, he was a California gang member. Very dangerous man, young man. He too has come to Christ. Take a look at it now. <laughs> it thrills me to show these pictures, not because, oh, isn't Chaplain Dan wonderful? Isn't the spirit of the living God glorious? The vilest offender is changed like that when the spirit of the living God comes to live in that person. I get to see that every day. And you have helped us stay in prison where we belong. <laughs> Take a look at that picture. That once every quarter or so, Shirley and I gather together ex-offenders that are out, men that we've ministered to. There's some wives there and everything. Sitting at that long table there represents, listen to this, 460 years behind the walls by the, by the people that are sitting at that table. Now they're out. They're not Saul's of Tarsus's anymore. They're men of God. Some of them are serving in churches. Some of them are, are ministering in all kinds of different places. Can God change a man? Oh, yes, he can. Look at this last verse. Then, then all who heard were amazed and said, is this not the, the one who destroyed all those called on his name at Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound? Of course they were amazed. What God does is amazing, amen? It's amazing. You probably think I'm rather excited I am. <laughs> I just can't wait to get... Everybody else wants to get out of prison. I want to stay in. I just love what I do, and I love to see what God does behind the bars and behind the wall. Paul, the apostle Paul, had a passion for ministry because of what he was saved from, and that's what I see. It's not that I want everybody to come to prison, commit a crime, come to prison so they can get saved. No, that's not it. But these men are stellar some of, the, some of the greatest men I've, I've ever met in my life. It's a blessing to do what I do. And I'm going to continue to do it. I'm, my next birthday, I'll be 80. And um, why don't you say, well, you don't look 80. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but I feel young because those guys keep me young. And, and surely on, on Sundays when I preach, she sings. And they call her mom. They love her. She's as safe as you could ever be in this high-security prison because these guys would give their life for her and for me. As I close, I want you to listen to a poem. I have shared this so many times. I shared this in prison recently to the men. Listen to it. It was battered and scarred, and the old auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. What am I bidding, good folks, said he. Who'll start the bidding for me? A dollar, a dollar, two, only two? Two, who will make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going, going, but no. A gray-haired man came 
from the room far back came forward and he picked up the bow and wiping the dust off the old violin and tightening its strings he played a melody as pure and sweet as the caroling angel sing I get teary every time I read this When the music ceased, the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with a bow. A thousand dollars. Two thousand. Two thousand. Who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, going and gone, said he. But the people cheered, but some of them cried, What, what change is worth? The touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune is battered and scarred with sin. He's auctioned cheap by a thoughtless crowd, much like that old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once, he's going twice, he's going, and he's almost gone. But the master comes, and the foolish crowd can never quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought by the touch of the master's hand. Amen.